We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Fox 40's Sean Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, how are you? Well, I'm okay. It's sure pissing rain outside, so you know how that makes me feel. But I know we need it. I just don't like it, and I guess it's going to ruin my day. But other than that, I'm toasty and warm inside the inside the palatial Cunningham estate. How about you guys? Well, uh, Sean's being a little bitch, but how are yep. how is Brendan Nunez from the Kings Pulse podcast doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm I'm feeling pretty Sean Cunningham today. I'm not a fan of this rain. So. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's not great. That's for sure. Um, I'm looking outside. I can see the the lake is moving, like it's windy and nasty, and the water is all over the place. And uh, we were just talking before we came on. My son is actually going out to try to collect donations around uh, the lake for his soccer team, and uh, he's going to be walking in this weather, uh, which is okay because this is the weather that soccer high school soccer plays in. Uh, which is not great. Yeah, it's it's not great at all. I mean, as parents sitting in the stands and when it's like, you know, 37 degrees at, at uh, game time, it's just not not fun. So. See, this is the thing that always confuses me. People love the rain. Like, do you? It makes like I know again, I know we need it. <laughs> <laughs> like what about that i mean i know you can't see it but what about that do you love again if you're inside and you're warm and you're looking at it going hey water's falling from the sky that's okay but it makes people drive stupider stu- a stupider word because i'm pretty stupid uh, it, it might be it might be um more stupid more stupidy <laughs> um that's definitely not a word that's uh it's just it's so irritating it's cold no one wants to i mean come on I, I'm I'm when someone says I love the rain I just want to smack him in the face why why do you love the rain well, we can't take I know the we need it again we like, need it we gotta take the dogs out like three times a day and they are not right. happy about the rain especially the corgi the little baby she has no idea what is happening but she does not like it and then she goes and stands in puddles but because her legs are only this long she sinks all the way up to her belly in the puddle and, right. Yeah, it's it's a never-ending battle. Like no one wants to go outside. We're all like this is this is miserable. Um all right. Well, we might as well talk about the Sacramento Kings and not the weather. Um you know, because uh unlike the sky here in Sacramento, the sky is not falling on the road with Sacramento Kings. Um so but let's take care of business first. If you're watching on YouTube, if you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. It helps with the algorithm. Uh if you're not a subscriber, subscribe there. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to the King's Beat, jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com and become a premium subscriber to get the invite to our upcoming Off the Record with the King's Beat virtual happy hour, which is set for Thursday. Uh, we have a guest. We're not announcing that guest until we've solidified said guest all the way and lock and key. 
Um, but we're going to do it one way or the other. Uh, if we have to make a late switch and figure out a different guest, maybe we can do that. Um, but we'll figure something out. So Thursday, uh, December 15th from 530 to 730, we'll do Off the Record with the King's Beat Virtual Happy Hour Part 10. Um, no I title? Na- I don't have a name for it. Uh, this is us. Maybe Happy Holidays. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not long like enough. That. Yeah, it's not long right. enough. Uh, That's true. Maybe it could be something like uh, uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, Die Hard, Brennan, is a uh, movie of Bruce Willis that uh, yeah, Nakatomi that Plaza. Yeah. What? Nagasaki Towers? What? Nakatomi. Nakatomi, sir. Nakatomi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the great Alan Rickman. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, the late great Alan Rickman. And Bonnie Bedelia. I can name everybody in that movie, buddy. Actually, um, the one dude just died uh, like this week from it. Um, I, I can't remember what his name is, but uh, he was in Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, Chuck Norris? No, no. no Chuck Norris <laughs> He's not will a diehard. Die. Yeah, he'll never die. Uh, no, no, no the, uh, the, the black guy that is a safe cracker. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know his oh, name yeah. though. Yeah, he passed oh, yeah, away this one. week. Um, I didn't know he was in Walker Test. I never I didn't know he was in anything other than Die Hard, so that's good knowledge. Yeah, yeah. He he was actually in a bunch of stuff. I was surprised when uh like you were like, Hey look, I didn't know he was in that and that. Um yeah, he's one of those character actors that show up in everything. Um anyway. Yeah. All <laughs> good right. Die Hard knowledge. So good Die Hard knowledge. Um uh, Brendan, have you watched Die Hard? I have not. I have not. Oh, Jesus. Every time these movie rants happen, I just think of Deuce Mason now because he's the only Why? one in my corner that defends me when these conversations That's because he doesn't watch any movies. Exactly. It's my guy. It's perfect. No, yeah. it's not. Don't don't be like Deuce. Also, <laughs> Ellis, like Deuce. Probably, <laughs> probably the best character in that whole, in that whole movie. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can get him for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Have you ever tried the trick where you squish your toes in the carpet to, to stop oh, yeah. getting jet lag? I, well, I don't know about jet lag. It's just it's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan has no idea what we're talking nope. about. Nope, at all. Uh, I, spectacular. No. Um, yeah, and, and you know the the bad guy, uh, the long blonde haired guy. He's like a uh, like a world class ballerina. That's where well, he, is that what we call it? Well, well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. What is a male ballerina? I don't know. I, Ballet dancer? I don't know. Professional I, in... I don't. I feel like ballerina I, I is ballerina so backhanded. Ballerina is, is like a... I would assume is the female version. But uh, Like you walk up to them and you're just like, hey. The rails. I, you're, we need to Google this now. Yeah. Like you, just, if you walked up to him, this is my friend. He's a world-class ballerina. I feel like he's going to punch you in the face. Uh, What? Is a it's, is it is it Brizhnikov? What's his name? Male ballerina. Uh, live googling. Um, a, a ballet dancer is referred to as oh a danseur. Oh, danseur! See how dare you? Ah, okay. Uh, Minimize him to French. a ballerina. In Italian, a ballerina is a female. Uh, yeah, like my bad. Like, uh, you know, botch that. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. To the blonde-haired guy in uh, in Die Hard. Um, anyway, uh, we once again have wasted your time here on the Brendan. Uh, because of that, you 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 are now required to watch that movie, uh, and your due date would be, I think, after just just after the happy hour. Maybe maybe by Thursday. Yeah, can you watch it by you, Thursday? You have to watch it before. Um, it's a Christmas before movie. Christmas because it is you know a Christmas movie. I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty confident it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, what do you mean? Isn't it just set during Christmas, but there's no real Christmas actions going on? Well, you see know. Christmas represented in the movie, yeah. <laughs> that makes it a Christmas movie? That's Yeah. I fully sure. I fully buy in that Die Hard is, is one of the great Christmas movies of all time. Um, I agree. Wait, it's, it's right up there with Elf, Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation. Have you seen any of these? I've friends? seen Elf and Christmas Story. Have you seen Christmas Vacation? No. Oh my oh. gosh, it's one of the great, the great films of all time. It like there's so many one-liners from that, uh, like you know the shitter's full, um, 
you know yeah, there's of course like <laughs> that really sells it <laughs> if, you you're, if you're brendan Clark, hearing these things in movie. <laughs> yeah. you don't mind me asking Clark, how much his chair set you back <laughs> <laughs> can't see the line can you russ <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, go yeah. ahead all right. I can already see the YouTube comments. <laughs> so yeah. great. Uh, mm. They won't be kind. Brilliant. Yeah. What? Uh, what? That's. Uh, have a merry Christmas. She goes. Oh, what a coincidence. That's my name. No <laughs> shit. No shit. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into this. Um, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, let's just kick it to Brendan and have him save us here. Uh, yeah. Brendan, the Sacramento Kings just knocked off the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have now swept the season series with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, was there any major takeaways that you saw uh, from that game? Because uh, like it sort of seemed like the Kings are quietly uh, like shifting and becoming a defensive-minded team while we're uh, like watching them progress throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just that. Um, I, I think the offense is obviously still there, but they just played the number one ranked defense in Cleveland and and still did okay, or at least enough on the offensive end. But the standout has to be that 20-0 run to close the game. Like, they just totally took over. They were really aggressive without fouling, physical without fouling, caused a lot of turnovers. Um, it stood out to me, like, after that Chicago game, I know Mike Brown came out and said that he wasn't really sure if the Kings had won an ugly game. And I think this is probably the best example of that. Like they were just able to grind out a game and win an ugly one by forcing turnovers, making shots when they need to. Um, Darius Garland had a big second quarter. Karis LeVert had a big third. They limited guys in the fourth. Um, and it was great to see Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, both playing phenomenally. We're continuing to see Sabonis be a better and better defender. I feel like not dealing with the same sort of foul trouble that he was at the beginning of the year. So the standout has to be how much they were able to get it done on defense. And we've heard guys say, say we feel like we can get a stop when we need to. And apparently they can do it for the last five minutes of a game if they need to. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that I, I had it at a 19 0 run. It could have been a 20 0, but I, I had it at 95 to 87. Right. And, and they never scored again. Um, so, yeah, I had it, but uh, absolutely impressive. 10 consecutive stops defensive stops um whether it was a stop or you know whatever happened that they missed a shot um yeah sean what were your takeaways because i know it's like it's one of those games where you know without De'Aaron fox uh without terrence davis um some of the guys looked a little beat up draggled uh but the, the kings were able to grit one out yeah well i mean some might call this an overreaction on my part for on a on a saturday morning but I truly think it's going to be one of the most remarkable things they accomplished all season. It, I think when they look back, no matter what the success of the season, when they look back and say, remember that game when we got 10 consecutive stops, went on a 19-0 run to close out the Cavaliers, who are a really good team? Uh, what? Like that Without De'Aaron Fox. I, I, I really felt it was remarkable. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And uh, you're right, Brendan, and you, you nailed it. Uh, you kind of stole the thunder there a little bit. I said, hey, Mike, I, I was thinking to myself, Mike Brown, if you were looking for that ugly win, this is it. And it was a masterpiece. It really was. The way you finished was an absolute masterpiece. And, and it should give them an, an, just an abundant amount of confidence as this road trip continues. And we've talked about how much like these little defensive glimpses from this team have been there. Even when they've looked really bad, like you could see moments where they're like the defense is poking through. And then in the last podcast, we're talking about during a stretch of three to four games where defense is really prominent among this team. That 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 you know, even in the Milwaukee game, which wasn't great, um, that's a team I just feel like could probably beat the Kings nine out of ten times, maybe eight out of ten times. And they competed their ass off in that game. Uh, it wasn't a great game. But if you couple that with what you saw against Cleveland, uh, defense is starting to, dare I say, become a little bit of a calling card for some of these players and some of these groups. And and I know it's still a small sample size, but it's it's something where all of a sudden they've taken shape and really it dates back to, I think, the Phoenix game where I just felt like the defense was atrocious in that game. And then you propel that forward the very next game against Indiana, and all of a sudden you're seeing it. 
And they haven't let go of the rope, as James likes to say, the Dave Yeager expression when it comes to the defensive end. And I think it really kind of culminated to that that moment last night against the Cavaliers where that 19-0 run to close out. Again, Damanis Sabonis was sensational. Malik Monk for his... Uh, for for so many of the things that he was you know struggling with on the offensive end uh, it was such a spark plug, and they've got guys that are uh, really buying in on that end, and uh, I think it. I was curious to see how that would drop with De'Aaron Fox having a day off because of the fact De'Aaron, even for his struggles on the offensive end at times, has really kind of brought it defensively uh, during this stretch. So uh, it didn't really impact them too heavily on that end and I just think like they're peaking at the right time defensively and I'm starting to buy into it yeah I'm starting to buy in as well and you know I'll, I'll point this out too this is the second time in the last three games where Mike Brown has called it an ugly win uh they he felt the same way against his Chicago Bulls uh and you remember that game is where they they gave up 41 points to uh Zach Levine but then late in the game he couldn't buy a bucket you know they they clamped on him and figure out ways to slow him down and stop him when it mattered and that's what this kind of felt like when when it mattered they were the the better team they were the team that like was able to control the tempo of the game able to control the defensive glass able to control so many aspects of the game that actually matter when it comes to winning and i'll point out like cleveland was missing donovan mitchell which of course is huge uh, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell wasn't there last year, and it's pretty much the same team that was pretty solid last year as well without Donovan Mitchell. And um, I just think that the way that they were able to close, the way that they were able to stay together despite uh, some some bumps and bruises, Kevin Herter went out with a shoulder injury, which at one, that looked a little scary. The replay of it looked like he might have even, like, popped his shoulder out for a second, came back in, and was excellent. I thought – the way Keegan Murray started that game, hitting the five threes in the first quarter, four threes in the first quarter, and then got in, got in foul trouble. Um, but he ends up hitting six threes for 18 points. Um, and, you know, the other thing I'll point out, too, is Harrison Barnes is, is well, first of all, Brennan owes him a huge apology. Yep. Um, so you're sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, what Harrison Barnes has been able to do, not just over the last couple of games, but over, like, the last 12, is, is really, really spectacular. So... Um, he's a guy that, you know, again, I don't think we knew what we were going to get from Harrison Barnes this season early in the year when he started to really like hit the skids, but over his last 12 games, he's averaging 16.7 points, 5.1 rebounds. He's shooting 57% from the field, 40% from three and 83 point, uh, 83.8% from the line. He's getting to the free throw line 6.2 times per game. And to me, he's been that guy that can sense when the team needs him to go get physical and get to the line and slow the game down so Mike Brown doesn't have to call a timeout every, you know, 45 seconds. Um, and he's been almost like a life preserver for this team. And, uh, like, I didn't know what we were going to get, like, throughout this season with Barnes. Um, but all of a sudden he looks like a player who, dare I say, is playing for a contract. And, you know, that's exactly what he is. But early in the season it didn't feel like, he was a player who was trying to prime himself for a huge payday in free agency. Apology is more than due. Uh, <laughs> I am no longer worried if he uh, is potentially washed. I think Harrison Barnes has definitely shut me up there, and I'm glad to see it. I think the free throws you pointed out feel like one of the biggest things. Maybe that's just specifically coming off that Cleveland game, but I think typically he's been pretty good there, and I feel like that's a general gauge that you can look at the box score and try to get a feel for how aggressive he was in games. And I feel like that's the big difference for some of these big nights for him. And then others where he's maybe a little bit more quiet. And I feel like he's done a good job in being aggressive recently, getting to the lines important. He's been a solid rebounder for them as well. And defensively, he's still the guy getting the tough matchups. If I'm remembering right, he's the one that's getting placed on Giannis when they're playing Milwaukee um, and, and doing okay on that end. So I, I think HB's kind of been everything that you could want recently. Maybe it's an aspect of just getting more comfortable with this system. Um, I probably just overreacted to a small sample at the beginning no. of the year. No. no. Me? In the Tuesday overreactions Early segment, season. I overreacted? Overreact. Oh, crazy, <laughs> crazy. It's almost like that's what that segment's for, but you know. The uh, saving grace was that you asked it with a question mark. Yeah. yeah, like I, if we, I said if we were to replay it, he might be. And I said I was not really worried about his offense. It's his defense. Like offense will come around. Whatever. I'm not going to defend myself. I was wrong. I, I shouldn't I have he, said the W word. 
I think you should bring him a fruit basket when they return from the uh, from the road trip. That, that would be a good, good, yeah, that'd be a good way to say I'm sorry. How about a hug? <laughs> well, I don't think yeah. Harrison wants a hug from Brendan. I don't think he does. Yeah, I don't think he does. Uh, yeah, Sean, like, what do you make of the sort of the revitalization <laughs> of Harrison Barnes here? Because, um, again, I, like, he just looked so awkward, like, the first two weeks of the season and like the shooting percentages, the three point percentage was low. Like he, he couldn't even hit his free throws. Remember he was shooting 50% from the free throw line. Like everything looked off and then it's like a magic switch went off. And, and, you know, again, like not to discredit Harrison, like he's put in the work to get better and to figure out how he fits, but it really does feel like all of a sudden he's become, you know, maybe the Kings, third, fourth, fifth best player, uh, where that's kind of where we thought he would be early in the season. Now he he's kind of going back to what we thought he would be. Yeah, there might have been some confusion there and, and not real clarity amongst your about your role and maybe in him thinking that for a guy who, you know, I'm always on to shoot more, um, he looks around and he's like, I've got a lot of shooters around me. Maybe that's not the role I need to play anymore. And it's like, no, 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 you, you need to still be that guy. I don't know. I, I mean – He'll never really tell you what he's thinking, and and all his teammates want him to shoot. They want him to be a a force on the offensive end uh, because he is a bucket. The guy can get it done. He can even iso. He can he gets to the free throw line. You know, it's like um, I don't know. It was just wonky for him. And I think someone got in his ear and has really kind of applied the pressure to really enforce like, Hey, when you do this, we do this, you know, the, the whole, when you score, we win. So, um, it's, it, they're on a, they're in a nice rhythm right now. And I think it's, I think it's great. I also remember how Harrison started last year and it was fantastic. And then it eased up, you know, and I felt there was a correlation to the easing up of him being aggressive on the offensive end and them losing games last year so uh i I hope that's not the case here it's it's not something i want to say that all things are are fixed in that department but uh certainly i think there's a correlation to their success and to the way he's playing but they've also shown the ability to be able to win without him and that's what i think is really uh encouraging about this king's team so far through this many games is that they don't need they don't you know they they, it sounds contradictory because yes, you do need Harrison Barnes to play well to to really have the success, and you have the stats to back that up. You know what your record is when he's scoring upwards of twelve to thirteen points a game. But my point is, is that you seem to be able to sustain success when you don't have a guy from one night to the other because it is always so much so somebody new, and they do have so much quality depth on this team. So that's the the probably the biggest difference of anything from one one year to the next when it comes to this Kings team. Um, and and you're seeing it night in night out. It's always somebody new, uh, and you don't really have to have these performances that are just these you know thirty beyond thirty point performances to carry you to a win. It's it's a collective team effort. You've got seven guys usually in double figures every single night, and you can really hang your hat on that. And now when the defense is kind of creeping its way into the conversation as well this team is 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 really kind of making people eat crow and i'd probably be one of them because right now i know it's it's they look like they are a basketball team that has their shit figured out and and they're going to contend they're going to be a a team that's going to likely give teams fits in the west and it just depends on how the west kind of shapes out but through 25 games i mean here you are sitting in in fifth place in the West, you've got a 500 record on the road. Um, I know things are early, but I think this team is a is a is a is a team that is playing uh, and showing you their hand in a way. I think this is who they are. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be in the conversation for sure. Sean is just fighting so hard to not make the proclamation that. What do you mean? Brendan made last week, well earlier in the week that this is a what good that team. they're good. Yeah, it's a good team. Sure. <clears throat> Um, I was just waiting for the word "should." I thought you were dancing. No, it. no, because you don't. There's no should. <laughs> yeah. Let, like let's that. let's fast forward to next season, and we might have some shoulds along the way, but certainly not not right now. Yeah, and like I, I pointed out after the game last night that uh, like the Kings, uh, this seems like a really small thing, but with that win, the Kings guaranteed a that they'll come back from this road trip at 500. 
And if you're looking at this road trip early in the season, and you could you could look at it and go, okay, this could be an 0-6 stretch without any question. It could still be 1-5. Like, that possibility is still there. But even if they go 1-5 on the trip now, they would come back at 14-14, and and they would be okay. Like, they get home. Uh, they've got some winnable games at home. They've got a huge crowd behind them and, you know, a bunch of sellouts coming, I guarantee you. A bunch of sellouts coming in December around the holidays. Uh, they play 13, I mean, 11 of their 13 next games at Golden 1 after this trip. And, like, look, it's still going to be difficult to go into Madison Square Garden and somehow beat the Knicks. It's going to be hard to go to Toronto on the second night of a back-to-back and or, well, Philadelphia and then Toronto on the second night of a back-to-back. And even finishing in Detroit, that's, you know, the final game in a six-game road trip. You're you're road-weary at that point. And it's right around the holidays, and and getting that win is going to be as difficult as as any of these wins. So, um, like my point though is that they're going to be okay, even if they drop four straight here, they'll they'll still be okay. They'll get home, they'll be okay, and they'll bounce back. And uh, that's what I'm seeing from this team. They're resilient. Um, the team had to. This is second game this season that they had to play without De'Aaron Fox. I haven't really uh, touched base a bunch to see like what they're thinking here and how long. He could potentially be out, um, but like there is a possibility that, that he misses two, three, four games here um, because it's a foot injury, and of course he uses he's such a fast player with the quick twitch stuff, and like having a bum wheel is is just not good for the style of play that he that he uh, likes to play. And so, um, what do you guys think? What how is this going to go without De'Aaron Fox uh, if he's not able to go? You know when they when they suit up on Sunday. I think it's kind of to Sean's point earlier that obviously they're a better team with De'Aaron out there, but like you can have somebody have an off night or for example, somebody be uh, off night, no pun intended by the way, but you could have somebody be out and there's other guys that are able to pick up the slack, you know? So I, I think that uh, coach said pregame, something along the lines of I'm paraphrasing, but sometimes you got to um, protect players from themselves because of course they're competitive and they want to be out there. And it seems like that's kind of what's going on here because De'Aaron, like, obviously just didn't quite look right. It was almost like the consistency of his aggression, I feel like, on the offensive end is kind of where it stood out to me. Um, I think he was still a positive impact while he was out there. He was doing well on the defensive end and everything. But I, I think it's smart to try and manage it now so it doesn't become something worse or last even longer than it needs to, you know. So I, I think that it makes sense um, to sit him out here and – it definitely helps that the day they do, they are able to go and prove that they can get it done without him as well. So I think it's smart. It doesn't sound like it's something that would be all too long, but uh, never really know. Um, so we'll see. But I, I like that he came out and said that clearly something had been bothering him and he didn't really seem to want to say anything about it. So I like that he came out and people can get an understanding of kind of what's going on there. And I, I think he could, if it took the rest of this road trip, give him the rest of this road trip to fully recover. Yeah, Sean, he said he heard it all the way back at the Orlando game, which is like November 5th. So, I mean, I think that that's the, like, I started to notice him looking beat up um, in the Atlanta game, and that's kind of where his points started to drop off. Uh, he had the two big games against Detroit and Memphis, and then, he struggled, uh, I don't know, the next six, uh, the next, uh, no, no, seven. Um, yeah, just what are your thoughts? And, like, again, a foot injury, if it has, if it was the Orlando game, I mean, that's, it's been going like, we're, like, touching six weeks at this point, and that's not good either. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's also been kind of beat up beyond that. I think you mentioned the Atlanta game, and I think that there was a game even before that where I was noticing him wincing a lot, Um and it didn't appear to be a lower body injury at that at that point. So um, I don't know. He, he's a he, he, he it hasn't cost him any game like up until now. You know, he's wanted to play through it. And I I think it was really, um, you know, that Milwaukee game that you really kind of saw him where it was not just noticeable because it's been noticeable, but it was like really impacting his game more so than just casually like. We've had, we've seen him have some rough games, but still be very impactful and still put up numbers, um, and still kind of 
for the most part, keep his foot on the pedal. And and like we were talking about a minute ago, the defense has been there. So um, I think it's a discomfort and it's a pain management, which is probably the the, the toughest part about it. So yeah, as as to to Brendan's point, if it, if it costs him a few games. You have built the equity, uh, as James mentioned, you know, and we talked about it last podcast that if you were to go one and five on this trip, you're a 500 basketball team. Well, they've at least secured that. So, um, with with a few back to backs, we're with a back to back kind of coming up. Um, be interesting to see how it responds. He's had a few days off now with the day off on Saturday. So, uh, this will be this will be something that is worth monitoring, but. My hope is that it is that it doesn't cost him too many games because even if he's not a hundred percent, I feel like uh, they still need him out there, and and they they're able to kind of have moments where they don't need him. And like obviously the Cleveland game was one of them. Uh, they know what it's like to play without him, but I don't think you can sustain much success without him. So um, I'm hoping this isn't going to be something that that lingers to an eventual two week injury or anything like that. Um, that's pure speculation, but but I don't think it's going to be anything too serious. And I think if it does come down to pain management, it might be something where you know maybe uh, a back to back is impacted, or if you have a three game in four nights coming up, you know maybe he sits one of those games as well. So uh, if if there's day off in between and with the rest and recovery and the and the um, treatment that you get from day in and day out, hopefully it can become just manageable to where you can sustain. A somewhat manageable schedule until things heal or you get up a, a, a more than a little a few days off kind of back to back to where you can really rest this thing yeah I, I remember watching him in uh come in the locker room i think it was a phoenix game after they had that little three game road trip and he was noticeably limping he, like he was in pain then and so like I, I know it's it's been there it's just you know how much are you hurt or are you injured and, and I know he's a guy who, again, he heals up fast. He, he gets a reputation sometimes as someone who misses a bunch of games. But I, I think even the last couple of seasons, a lot of it was like you miss a game, you miss like five games because of COVID. Um, you know, I think two seasons in a row, you, you have those issues. Um, or, you know, he broke his hand. He broke a bone in his hand and um, missed the final handful of games. And I think the Kings have also like over the last couple of years, if you're not going to be in it, you might as well shut him down. And so he does miss games, but I don't feel like a lot of it is is on him. Uh, you know, like the major ankle sprain that he had a couple of years ago, that's one thing. Um, and, you know, those are things that come back to bite you, like that there could be lingering things from that still uh, hanging out in his, in his ankle, his foot area. Um, so anyway, I think he'll be okay. Uh, and I the Kings need him on the court. Um, just because, you know, like it makes life easier for everyone else. That's what, if Davion Mitchell has to go out there and, and he's defended by the toughest cover that the toughest defender on the opposition on the perimeter, that's not good for the Kings. Like that's where Fox really comes in handy. He takes the toughest cover every single time he steps on the court. And that means that Kevin Herter doesn't have nearly the same defender on him and that Davion or, or Malik Monk or whoever's on the court with him they get a lesser lesser defender when he's on the court. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Kings definitely need him. I think it it played into their hands that, you know, Donovan Mitchell miss a game. If Donovan Mitchell doesn't miss that game, I don't think the Kings win that game. Um, and, you know, that's because you need all of your all of your horses going, and if you're missing your biggest one, then uh, you're going to have trouble. Um, let's, you know, and, and that kind of brings us to, like, Demonis Sabonis uh, – like, I don't know how many times we can talk about him in just such glowing regard, but what he's been able to do here in Sacramento, how he's become a better defender, how all of a sudden he's shooting, what, 37.9% from three, um, how he just literally is, is like teetering on a triple-double almost every single game. He is so incredibly impactful to the Kings. And like, again, we talk about who's the most important player and we usually say Monk, or sometimes we say Fox, but I think Sabonis is a guy that really does make everything work. Um, just another big, big game against the Cavs. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? It's hilarious that I can look at a 18-18-6 assist, three steals, two blocks stat line, and feel like it almost still somehow doesn't tell the full story. Like, he is so good at unlocking his teammates. Like, I think it's the little things, like his screens. I, I 
feel like there's he's right up there with the best in the league at setting these screens and those little drop off passes and kind of readjusting the angle of them like he's phenomenal if and if he's hitting a jumper at all like I don't want him taking a lot of threes and he's not taking too many or anything like that but if that's there like this offense is already going crazy and that's just going to take it to another level um but even without that he's phenomenal around the rim um if there was anything to nitpick he could knock down more than eight of the 14 free throws, but I'm certainly not complaining with the performance that we got from him yesterday. Um, he, he's been amazing. And and defensively um, there's those two blocks. And I think they happen at the same, not long after one another in that either late third or, or fourth quarter. Um, and he's been so good at deterring shots. He doesn't quite have the length to get a hand on the ball all too often, but I think he's been in the right position. Hasn't dealt with the same foul trouble. Um, so for him to be a, a positive impact on the defensive end with everything that he already provides offensively, like there's guys that maybe you could argue De'Aaron's the better player, but like, I think Sabonis is far and away the most irreplaceable player on this team because his skill set is just so unique. And I think, like I said, he's just so good at unlocking all of his teammates and making everyone better. Like there's a reason why it's Herder and Sabonis. That two man game is so good. Malik and Sabonis's two man game is so good. Same with De'Aaron, like it, the common trend here is just Sabonis is really damn good and great at enabling his teammates. And I, I think we see that night in and night out. And yeah, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things. He's been phenomenal. That, that pass that behind the back to, to Harrison Barnes for that dunk late in that game was pretty magnificent. I mean, uh, yeah, Brendan said it there. I mean, it's all it's all good, and and just the joy that that he brings to the basketball court. Um, I remember, you know, I've I've watched him a lot throughout the years. I mean, obviously he's an all star player, but uh, the thing that instantly picked up this team was just count the amount of high fives he gets during a game. Like his first game here in Sacramento, he made sure that everyone was engaged. Everyone's touching his five, like give him a high five, like he. Puts his, like he's he's making sure that there's a, a togetherness with the team and um it, and it trickles down to every facet of the game that's just the type of basketball player he is it's what his uh you know his his whole background is and everything he's learned from from his father and from you know the stops that he's made uh in his career it's um it's pretty infectious play and and it trickles down to everybody as brendan mentioned it makes everyone better it picks everyone up um but you know, and I and to see him so happy after getting that defensive player of the year or game award that Mike Brown uh, introduced to the locker room last night, as well with a ton of like laser pens, which was <laughs> everyone's lighting their own beam with their laser pens. That was kind of fun. Uh, I to see him literally have that joy among his teammates was really really cool. Um, I, I am wondering if 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 someone's going to require him to wear a face mask at some point uh during the course of the season because he's getting popped a lot but uh yeah man just everything's really working really well with him and, and it, it starts with him you can see what happened last year uh and, and it's really spreading throughout the team and, and you surround him with the right pieces this is kind of what you're getting from it and, and people can really kind of see the uh kind of the cake being made like it's starting to rise a little bit and uh it's not quite done but it's certainly getting there yeah, you brought up something which I think will make the business of basketball. Um, when it comes to this team, I don't know what it is, but like this whole defensive player of the game, like amulet thing. I don't even know what that is. I, I amulet. I, I certainly think you can't get through uh, like airport <laughs> security with it. Uh, I'm sure, not you sure. Can. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> like, I'm surprised it doesn't spin or something like. Or it doesn't have a clock attached to the middle of it. Like it's it's this gigantic piece of of jewelry that uh, Mike. What did Mike Brown say that Vivek's got billions, and we're just trying to spend some of that? Mm -hmm. um, but it brings us to a bigger question about this team. And is this the most likable Kings team since like the early two thousands? Like I, I don't know what it is, but it feels like they're branding themselves almost on a nightly day basis. Whether it's the beam whether it's headband herder, uh, whether it's the band-aids on Monk's face. Now we have this uh, de defensive player of the game. Like, are they only going to pull that out during, like, wins? Or is it going to be, like, the beam? I, I don't know. But 
like it feels like this team all of a sudden is very likable and very marketable and it has like uh, its own you know it's almost like Spaceballs the movie like they have Spaceballs the gift shop like that's what it feels like this team is all of a sudden like they're becoming something that you can actually go out and sell if you're the Sacramento Kings. You're you're calling the Kings a gimmicky team. Like they have all these little all these little things around them that that you're right. That, and and it, I don't know if it's the most uh fun necessarily, but it's it's just it's much needed. Uh if anything it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I, I think that you know, the the fact that they can do this and it also correlates to wins. I mean, that's that's a that's a big part of it. You know, I don't know that um, if they if if they were out there and they were you know twenty and five right now, I think people would be having just as much fun with this team as as they are right now with all these little gimmicky things around them. To me, it's it's always <laughs> it's always cute while it's you know while it's working, but then like what happens you know what happens if it if it starts to wane a little bit or or think does the messaging get a little bit uh, tiring. Um, and if you're with the with the with the amulet, as you call it, this Legend of Zelda kind of like thing, um, I, like if you're Davion Mitchell, how do how do you not go? Hey, you can just go ahead and throw that in my locker and just keep it right there because I'm gonna be wearing that bitch a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point, uh, but you know there are other guys that step up on this team and come up with big plays, and uh, we've talked about it all year long. Whether it's KZ, whether it's Trey Lyles, whatever it might be, like we've had, there are plenty of opportunities for guys to step up and be good defensively and make a difference. I, I just think there's so much value in enjoying your teammates and just having this sense of camaraderie and chemistry, like off the court as well. And I, I think anybody can relate to it. Like if you played sports in any way, or even just any, any job, like you're going to, I think do better at your job if you enjoy doing it. And I think that we're seeing like a night and day difference compared to these last couple of years prior where it was nights. It kind of felt like just a bunch of guys going out there and playing basketball together rather than like a team, if that makes sense. And I think you feel the the chemistry here. I like all the little gimmicky things. I think since there's a new one every once in a while, it's not necessarily getting old. Um, so we'll see how long this, this amulet, uh, sticks around for, but I, I, I like it. I think that there's just so much value in enjoying your team. And I think that's a product of Sabonis as, as Sean pointed out, Malik that we've talked about, obviously has that personality that's infectious and spreads. Um, and there's a handful of other personalities on the team as well. And Mike Brown, obviously being a big one, but I think it's just them putting a clear emphasis on camaraderie and team chemistry. And I, I think that helps on the court just as much as off. Well, and it works too because James. I mean, think about it. We've seen it in baseball where guys are putting necklaces on and, and after hitting home runs in the dugout, and you get you know wrestling championship belts on football players like the Forty ers You know, with George Kittle and Ross Dwelly and a lot of the guys over there that love wrestling. I mean, these things are little common threads that can be little little tokens that bring everyone together and have a something st- stupid and cheap to rally around, but. You know, because it's funny. It's like you got all these millionaires who are just rallying around this like little toy, if you will, that you'd find in a kid's uh, kid's aisle at Target, perhaps. But it works, man. There's no there's no explanation for it. I mean, think about you know going back to the Giants when they were the dynasty winning World Series and stuff like uh, stuff like disgusting thongs with 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 Aubrey Huff. You know, there's always there's always something that a team can just use to to galvanize them to find joy you know be it even making the rookies dress up or popcorning someone's car it's like all these little things they they matter they really do and and again there's there's really no analytic for chemistry but these are things that you know you always hope happen in a in a fun organic way that'll can bring guys together and the moment it's forced upon or it it doesn't land right then hopefully it's squashed but um yeah, we haven't seen stuff like this since really the scores in Sacramento, and we all know what that was like. So this is kind of that version of it. Yeah, you and you brought thong? up thong. Yeah, yeah, there was a rally thong that Aubrey Huff, that disgusting human being. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, I don't even want to know. I don't. Even want to. It was bad. But also, you bring up the it, Giants, and like I've been clear, like I hate the Giants. I always have. 
Um, Watch like, your tone. It is what it is. <laughs> it's okay. You can hate the A's. You can hate other teams. Like I, I like I the A's. I don't care. But like I hate I've the always, Dodgers. I, I don't like the Giants. I've never liked the Giants. Um, but uh, there's something that they did during the their great years where they're winning, you know, World Series every other year. Uh, like the Lincecum mullet, the panda hat, like all of these things were such great marketing tools to sell your your team to your fan base. And that's what I see right now. Like if you guys haven't seen uh, Dave Lack uh, on, on Twitter, uh, shout out to Dave Lack. He, he's literally like 3D printed Golden One Center and then added a beam that comes out so he can light the beam <laughs> at his house. Like I think we're, we're seeing these things are like, they're unique and and they're gimmicky for sure but they're also fun and they're adding to like who and what this team is this year and i mean it's just it it is adding an an element that we just aren't used to seeing in sack where again i think you know there are going to be a lot of people out there a lot of little kids out there this christmas they get De'Aaron fox jerseys or demonis bonus jerseys where in past years I, that just wasn't the case i think we've we're seeing this team find a way to connect to the fan base, which is good. Um, you know, we skipped over when we were talking about uh, the actual game action and all that stuff. Um, I I, I want to mention that Keegan Murray looks like Keegan Murray again. You know, like the snozberries taste like snozberries, but um, like he, he all of a sudden looks like himself. And you're like, hey, look, uh, that's why they drafted him. That's, you know, what he can bring to the table. And um, like, I don't want to skip over him because... Uh, I think he's he's done a really nice job of battling through an early season sort of defining moment for him and coming out the other side and all of a sudden he looks like again the joy of basketball is back and he's not like frustrated or confused or lost um, and so I, I want to make sure I mentioned that and I, and also um, I'm I'm hard on Davion Mitchell sometimes uh, but. Right now, like the Kings need Davion Mitchell so much, and he's been such a difference maker on the defensive end over the last like maybe two weeks, where he's sort of settling in, sort of finding his niche with this team. Um, you know, again, when De'Aaron Fox is out, he needs to do more than like three or five from the field or whatever it was. Uh, he needs to find ways to be more impactful on the offensive end. Uh, but overall, like his defensive effort, whether it's against, uh, you know, uh, Garland or uh, when they brought him in to slow Kobe White or Zach Levine or De- DeMar Rosen or Tyrese Halliburton, whatever it is, like, I, I think he's he's answered the the call, like, really, really well over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Keegan for sure. I, I definitely wanted to make sure he got acknowledged uh, for the same reasons as you. Like, I, I think he's playing great. That 20-0 run was obviously big and he was part of that he hasn't really been part of the closing lineup recently for them it's been Malik Monk and instead they went with Keegan Murray in that game um and the the four for four from three in that first quarter like seeing him get that third foul with somewhere around 10 minutes left in the second quarter it was so sad because he was just totally rolling he was hitting everything really quick trigger like barely any space coming off some DHOs with Sabonis like that is the stuff that we saw from Murray at the beginning of the year in summer league where it's like had me really questioning what is this guy ceiling like i i think he's gonna be he's gonna be really good in this league and i noticed recently like just occasionally you see some body language stuff which i feel like is outlier for keegan where he's just looked down and you actually saw it in that cleveland game too he was hitting his threes and that looked like he was enjoying himself there obviously but when he got that third or maybe it was the fourth foul he was kind of on the floor and he threw his hands up like so i think having a night like he did yesterday minus the foul trouble is has just got to feel so good because he's looked frustrated. I would imagine that it's been frustrating that he's been struggling a bit um, and just how much is being talked about. Like he's a rookie HB kind of pitched it as it's, he doesn't even think it's rookie stuff. It's just people go through ups and downs as any player and last five games for Keegan, 16.2 points on 53% from the field, 47% from three on just over over seven attempts a game. Like I think he's been what you would hope for on the offensive end. And it's just got to feel relieving to finally have some of these good games because he's been struggling. And like I said, I felt like you could see it. And that was starting to just, just be weird because it's not typical of Keegan, I feel like. The other thing I'd really add is just, you know, 
I like the fact I'm always so big and complimentary of his composure because he seems so wise beyond his years. And uh, yeah, he, he may have worn some stuff a little bit there, but they were running. Cleveland was one running everything at him. And even when, I mean, they were kind of picking on him and it was working, but I also feel like he, he got a better handle on it as the game continued, particularly in that fourth quarter. I thought he responded really well. Um, but I felt like he handled that moment clearly knowing that it's like, well, I've got a target on my back here on the defensive end. They're coming right at me. And I feel like he handled it pretty well. Um, and I think Mike Brown uh, recognized some things, pulled him out for a moment, and then got him right back in there. And I thought that it, you know that was – he probably had Doug Christie in his ear the entire time on the bench just talking about you know recognizing what they were doing and, and how to respond when when he get back out on the floor. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about Keegan Murray. I mean, this rookie is going to be a very talented one. And uh, again, people, it's like the, getting back to what he did in summer league. It's like, yeah, he was doing against guys that were borderline NBA players. He will be an NBA player. He is obviously right now, but I mean, he will be a guy who's going to have a bright, bright future. And he's going up against some really crafty veterans at the moment. So um, scouting reports are out, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. And uh, I, I like the fact that it seems like you've kind of gone around that mountain. Some of those hurdles that might've been in your way and may have been a little bit of a stumbling block. You've recognized them, you know how to correct them. And I think his teammates are doing a really good job of, of keeping him engaged as well. So um, they're always trying to keep things loose with him and, and not, you know, have things, kind of snowball or compact on him and and i think it's been a uh, it's been a little bit of an adventure but I, I he's such a positive on the floor every single time uh even when he has some defensive lapses i mean getting back out there and 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 responding on the right way on the offensive end you know you see sabonis constantly in his ear uh these are all good things i don't think anyone's really worried about him i think it it, it is a uh big credit to the work ethic that he has that he's been able to kind of overcome some of these things so early on. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask one question before we get out of here. Um, the Kings right now, you know, like if the season were to end today, they'd probably be around like the 18th pick in the draft. Um, somewhere around there. Like, are we doing like, this? <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, would you guys go, would you guys go dual Murray's if somehow Chris, falls to the king's range and uh like you have an opportunity would you would you double down on murray's and and, and have chris oh. and keegan side by side just wondering that's just such wondering. a dumb dumb question I'm james wow. we're in it's december 10th how dare I'm just you wondering he's he's scheduled to go how much college basketball like, how much college basketball have you watched already i haven't watched a ton but i have watched a little <laughs> bit here and there of him yeah uh and yeah. he's been really 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 good um, but he's scheduled to go anywhere between like, I'd say like 12 and like 24 in the draft, like in that range. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it'd be intriguing at least to go, you know, like, he, uh, he, he was the only game I saw of him in its entirety was the, the, the Duke 74, 62 victory, um, just this past week. And he, he, he wasn't very good, but he played like the entire game, which was great. Um, but no, he was he wasn't very good in that game. Hmm. I have not seen enough of him this year, and certainly haven't seen enough of the rest of the guys, um, rest of potential prospects. But I've heard good things, and um, just chuckled when I just went to type Tankathon into my browser, and it didn't autofill. And we've come a long way. <laughs> we've come a long come way. Come a long way, boy. <laughs> we've come a long way. Uh, that's funny. Right now, he's averaging 19.4 points, 10.1 rebounds, uh, 0.9 blocks, uh, 1.8 assists. He's shooting 37.8% from three and 50% from the field. Uh, yeah, he's been pretty good. Um, apparently, he's like this more outgoing personality. And yeah, that's just that's weird to me. Why is that weird? <laughs> you should expect that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because, dude, I like because Keegan, to... you got to. Pull it out of him, man. It's it's tough. I have two boys, and my oldest is super quiet. He's an introvert, yeah. and my youngest is out in the rain, uh, <laughs> getting getting donations for a soccer team. Like, and, and he'll yeah. walk up to anyone at any time, and he doesn't care. Uh, yeah, I've got an extrovert and an introvert, and so it doesn't 
matter. I, I think, isn't Chris like a minute or two older? I think he is. Um, but, but either way, I mean, like it, it doesn't matter like nature versus nurture. It, that it's just personality. And so I think it's, I, I, either way, I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun to have both Murray's on the one team. Like we've seen it with, uh, with what's called the, uh, Morris, Morris twins, right? Yeah. I mean, the more I, yeah, the more <laughs> they, they used to, uh, like share a bank account and everything. Like, I don't know if they still do that stuff. Same tattoos and everything. Yeah. And it's not just one or two. Yeah. Um, I think there the, was one game that was questionable whether yes. a different uh, Murray showed up for it was a like game. a Washington I mean, playoff series. I think. Yeah. 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 There was, there was a questionable game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like the NBA, they put up Chris's picture when Keegan was drafted on accident. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Okay. Do you think how um, Keegan's last thing on this real quick? Do you think how Keegan's rookie year goes affects Chris's draft stock at all? No, 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 no. I do mean, you? It's, it, it's an interesting I don't think question, so, but I don't know. It's funny. I mean, while they're they're very different personality wise. They're very similar on the court, like the way they move, the way like everything is very similar. Do I, I? I mean, I if I was just giving it a, a quick glance over, it just seems to me that maybe Chris has like obviously Keegan is so gifted offensively. In my opinion, I think he's probably going to be the better offensive player, but Chris definitely seems to be the better rebounder. Do you, do you get that impression? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. And I mean, I mean, right now he's averaging ten a game, which is impressive. Right. But but that could be some of the players they're playing with as well versus where they were last year. Right. Um, yeah. So and and if you remember i mean like chris played a lot last year as well he just wasn't in a starring role but keegan averaged eight a game so i mean if his brother was there and actually getting rebounds and stuff you never know but you know the nba is so different because you remember uh is it cody and caleb uh, martin mm-hmm. um like wasn't the better offensive player in the pros was like the jack of all trades at UNR and the other one averaged 20 a game and isn't nearly the same score. And while I'm, why I'm not remembering which is which was so good <laughs> at, at the college level, they switched roles when they got to the pros because the game is different and they both are high basketball IQ, like, you know, smart players who can do multifaceted things. But one was like a really, really good score in college and it didn't translate at all. Well, and then you can become pr- kind of products of your environment too, like depending upon the system that you yeah. you go to, the coaching staff, and who's ahead of you, and situations can be completely different. Completely different, but uh, but then again, you know, the cream usually does rise to the top. So it it just depends on how you're evol- your the evolution of your game and and you know what's asked of you from different roles and to, from different teams. Yeah. It, it's definitely different. Um, okay, let's uh, let's finish up with our our standard uh, final thoughts because I know I've got one and I know Sean's going to have one. Uh, Brendan, do you have any final thoughts? Because usually you go, no, not really. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, usually I say no, not really, and then still have a final thought. So I guess we'll we'll go with that. Um, I am about to be finishing up a piece on Chima Moneki, and I think his year has been kind of interesting. So stay on the lookout for that. And he's always great to interact with and just somebody that you can't help, but kind of root for. So um guess that's all I got. Should be finishing that one up today. Sean. Oh, final thoughts. Um Yeah. I mean, I guess just my morning's been all Troy Taylor. So I guess congratulations to uh, Troy Taylor. He's going to leave the Hornets and head to, Stanford kind of the worst kept secret in the world. I mean, you got when you're at Sac state and you can, you know, jump to Stanford. Not only do you do that, uh, the program should say, no, you, you leave because it makes us look better. I mean, it just does. I mean, as much as a, of an absence as it will be, um, losing a guy who was, you know, among the, the, what the winningest coach in, you know, in terms of winning percentage. And he did it in three seasons, even though he was here for four years. Um, that's a, you, you need to, that that's going to elevate your program to show that you had a coach that was able to use you as a stepping stone to get to Stanford. So um, he left the program much better than uh, when he got it at Sac State. And uh, to go from, you know, being an offensive coordinator at Utah to 
you know, even before that, being at Folsom High School and winning state championships alongside Chris Richardson was pretty impressive. So uh, good for them. Good for them. And we'll look forward to seeing who uh, Sac State swoops up. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that was like it wasn't a great kept secret. It seemed like that was going to happen as soon as the game was over. I, I actually watched the fourth quarter of their game uh, last night. That was nuts. That was absolutely crazy. Like nuts. he should have called like, timeout. But yeah, he should have called timeout. Yeah, I also wanted to know if Tony Harvey was going to be there and ask about defense because uh, <laughs> no defense was played in that game at all. At at all, like that was like wide open running up and I mean what was it 60 65 66 63 66 what no overtime that was all regulation regulation yeah yeah wild wild back and forth I think he had like 50 points combined in the in the fourth quarter alone yeah it was just all like you hand the ball (laughs) off the guy goes up the middle for a touchdown three plays later the other team is going back and scoring on the other end it was wild Lindsey Scott, um, by the way, that that incarnate word uh, quarterback, Lindsey Scott, that dude is sick, just yeah, he's, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bummer to see Sac State lose. Even though I am a Davis guy, like I, I don't really care. I'm not going to do stingers up, but I don't no, really care. Stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I just it's, I don't like the. You can say stingers up. I actually like it, but it's just like doing this. Like, come on, man. I like Austin Powers kind of thing. I don't. I don't get it. It, it is kind of weird. It is kind of weird. Okay, and then, um, like I've been enthralled by the World Cup. Uh, me and my son, we get up and watch World Cup nonstop. Um, I just like I don't know what exactly happened there, but just thoughts and prayers are with Grant Wall's family, and I hope that this doesn't become an international incident, um, and that everything is explained. But uh, just you know, absolutely tragic. Soccer lost an absolute bright, bright, uh, like promoter of the game and somebody who's done nothing but good work covering uh, the World Cup and covering soccer for a long time. Um, Just absolutely tragic age 48 uh, for, you know, the world of soccer to lose Grant Wall. Um, And like we have no idea what happened there, but like it's not a good situation and and like again uh really heart goes out to his family just absolutely tragic um hopefully we have some answers there sooner rather than later um but yeah just a absolutely like sad day for soccer um and let's see outside of that uh do we do we have anything positive we can end on since i've got a negative you brought it down I, i brought us down yeah Maybe not. It's almost Christmas. Uh, it's almost Christmas. <laughs> Did you get your shopping done? <laughs> uh, we're about 85%, I would say. 85. We're about 85%. We haven't started wrapping yet, which means we're behind because we're usually by this point. Uh, but we're worried the Corgi will unwrap everything. So I think, I think you'd appreciate this, James. Uh, I remember when you got your PS5. Uh, I didn't know that fast forward three years later, PS5 would still be like worth its weight in gold because yeah. of how hard it is to get. Uh, but I almost, I was like, I, I should I get one? I don't really play video games as much as I used to. I don't know if I should do it. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll do it. I, I, every time I've tried to get one, I've struck out. So then all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to pull the trigger. And some of my things I follow were like if, if something drops, like sneakers, for example, I can pounce on it rather quickly and uh, they did it for PS5. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. But the bun- there was like a bundle and it was like 800 bucks, bro. I was like, should I do this? Like, I don't know. Should I? So I held off. And I'm glad I did because my roommate just got a PS5. So by virtue of him having a PS5, I now have a PS5. And it arrived literally during this podcast. During, so I keep I looking off to the smiling. side. Yeah, I can I'm see looking you smiling. At it. I'm like, Something's oh, wrong. boy. Yeah, yeah, the PS5 we got, uh, like, I think we talked, well, maybe not. Like, how long ago was that? Was it three years? Man, I think it so. It wasn't last year. It was year before. Yeah. Um, so this might be the, yeah. It was a Kings fan. Like, I had put out in the universe that I needed a PS5, and a Kings fan said, hey, I got an extra. And I met him yeah. at uh, at the hotel, at the Sawyer Hotel. And <laughs> James bought stolen goods. Shit fell money. off a truck somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, no, it came with the receipt. I had the receipt and everything. Yeah, it was legit. It was still in the bag. Never been opened. Um, he had bought like two or something. He had got, you know, like like you, Sean. He had been stalking 
one of these things and was able to go and get it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they came. Kings fans came through for me. Yeah, man. All right. Um, we have a PS5 now. Goodbye, yeah, productivity. Yeah, goodbye, pro. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. Um, again, we will have an announcement hopefully, hopefully Monday uh, with our guest for the happy hour, which is Thursday. Uh, hopefully, these fine gentlemen. Oh, there he is. His God of War. Uh, I don't even know what the hell God of War is. Uh, yeah, I haven't played it. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got the happy hour coming up on Thursday. Make sure to become a premium subscriber to the King's Beat in order to get the invitation to said happy hour. Uh, they are spectacular. They are like by far a unique and really cool experience. Uh, and the feedback from them has just been nothing but spectacular. Uh, so um, make sure to jump on board with the King's Beat. Make sure if you're still watching and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Hit uh, the subscribe button. Uh, that does us a solid favor when it comes to the algorithm that is uh, YouTube. Um, outside of that, uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. So for Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse Podcast. I am James Hamm, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Bye. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.